Hey everybody, welcome to episode 87 of the Masterclass. My name's Cam Brennan, his name is at David J. Hogue, because he got a new Twitter handle. <laughs> yes, I did. That's Remember follow-up for this week? Do you remember? Do I remember follow-up? Well, at the, last, at the very end of last episode, you were just like, oh, by the way, and I got mad at you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell me the story, Dave. The story? Spin me a tale. <laughs> why, well, why did you change? You had such a unique Twitter handle. Because I felt like it was, you know, it was hard to remember and didn't make sense to anybody else. And so, yeah, I just went with at David J. Ho because that's who I am. Is that your name? Don't wear it out. That's my name. Don't wear it out. All right. Well, to uh, first of all, welcome listeners. We hope that this podcast finds you wherever you are. I was going to say well, but we all know that, you know. Well, let me. <laughs> Sorry about that. <coughs> Wrong pipe. Um, I'm hopefully gonna edit that out. If not, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so let let me just uh, lay the um, the groundwork for this episode, Dave. So that if you or I are a bit feisty, our listeners know why. Is that right. fair? Sure. So today is Thursday. January 19th, Mm -hmm. the last day of President Barack Obama's presidency. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess tomorrow technically is since they trade halfway through. Uh, So we're on the verge of Donald Trump getting elected. Not not getting elected, no. Becoming president. He's already been elected. So that that is in, you know, like 16 hours. On top of this. My wife and child are out of town for the weekend, so I like don't know how to function because I don't have a baby that's either crying or needing to be taken care of. And Dave also dropped the, I watched some Joel Osteen on Sunday <laughs> and told me about what Mr. Osteen said. Is it Osteen or Olstein? There's no L. It's Osteen? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he then played me a few clips. And so between those three things... I don't know about you, but I'm a little um, perturbed, perhaps is a good word, uh, on edge. So I just want to give fair warning that there are uh, outside factors that may cause me to be a little more opinionated, which I'm not going to make excuses for what I say. I just want you all to know I'm not in the best mood. <laughs> So. Yeah, that's I think that was kind of my thing was it it kind of took us a little bit to get. Uh, oh, a little, I don't know, the blood flow and the brain working. And then it was kind of like, all right, <laughs> let's hit record yeah. <laughs> time to time to hit the button. So. Well, because usually I get here and we, you know, we catch up and we chat and, you know, talk with the family and you know, whatever. And then it's usually about 30 or 45 minutes before I, before we hit record. I've been here for over an hour and we just now started <laughs> recording. So we had to get the, uh, as Dave said, yes, the, uh, the blood flowing, but we're here. It's episode 87. Dave got a new Twitter handle. It's very exciting. Woo-hoo. And we've got some more end time stuff to talk about. We do. Which is, 
Well, it is what it is. But before I do that, I do want to uh, take a quick moment to say uh, I just finished um, listening to The Reason for God by Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. It's only, I think it's only like six and a half hours long. It's like an abridged version, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize when I got it and I was kind of bummed about because I have the book and I've read most of the book. Um, if well, maybe more like half. Um, but I got, you know, I have a commute now cause I'm back at the office. And so I decided, uh, I would give that a shot and I would heartily recommend either reading the book or listening to it on audible, um, for anybody that is remotely interested in why believing in God is a legitimate thing to consider. So whether you're a, uh, lifelong Christian and just want to be able to put some um, reason to your experience or you are someone who is I, I dare say like me who just kind of struggles with with doubts and un, being unsure and like I know what I know but then what about these few things in these areas yeah, or you know somebody who doesn't believe in God mm-hmm. because what Tim does a very good job of in this book is explaining both sides of the argument. If you're a Christian, here's kind of your thought process. And if you are not, if you are an atheist, here's your thought process. And then pointing out the flaws that lie therein. And uh, it is it's just such a good book. And I realize that that's such a huge spectrum of people. But when you're talking about the existence of God, that applies to everybody. Mm-hmm. And everyone has to make a choice. Do you believe that God exists or do you not? And then once you say yes, you've got options for how you want to proceed. And then if you say no, well, you've got options too. You could be an atheist that's compassionate and believes in social justice and the, you know, um, sanctity of human life, or you can be an atheist that is some variation different and, and same goes for Christianity. You've got some people, uh, in Christianity that think that poverty is a choice and just get a job and, what Bible are you reading? You don't have it. And then you have Christians that have compassion about social justice in, in this thing. And so I'm not trying to paint anyone into a, well, if you're an atheist, you're this, or if you're a Christian, you're that, because guess what? There are shades and variations of all of them. But what Tim does a very good job of, if I can be a bit repetitive here is explaining the issue that's at hand, how different people react to that and why there are flaws in certain approaches to it. And so he does not lay out a single proof that says, yes, because of this, God absolutely scientifically empirically exists. What he does is he builds a, uh, I'll call it a box of clues that as that box gets fuller with clues that point to God's existence, it gets heavier and therefore carries more weight and more momentum. And so by the end of the book, you see all of these clues that point towards the existence of God, and individually, they're not going to knock your socks off. 
But if you take the whole breadth of what he discusses and see it as a whole, all of a sudden it becomes much more likely and much more reasonable and logical to come to the conclusion that God does exist. Mm -hmm. And now if you're a person that wants scientific proof, I'm going to follow the scientific method and come to God at the end. You're not going to be satisfied ever. No, because you can't do that with love. You can't do that with beauty. You can't do that with purpose, but we all believe in those things or want to. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Tim is not here to spin you a lie. He's just simply there to present evidence, sound logic, and sound reason, and, you know, let people come to their own conclusions. And so, if you like books that are written by intelligent, considerate, and uh, humble people, can't go wrong with this one. I, I genuinely, I want everyone to read it. That is a high recommendation. Yeah, that went longer than I thought. <laughs> I got excited. It's so no, good. good. It's so good. Yeah, and you know, it's this is for me. That's um, one of the raising my children and talking about their faith and and what they believe. My biggest thing to them is is you put some effort into why you believe what you believe because. Uh, just believing it because mom and dad do or believing it because that's what you heard at church or that's what you heard at camp or whatever. That's really not a good reason uh, to believe that. And I, I just, um, whatever you land on, and I, I've said this before, God is a big God and he'll show up. But if you, you know, and and, and that's even in that, I think there's even just an an individual uh, responsibility to be responsible to to respond to him of just this is this is what I believe he is revealing to me and I believe this is the obedience that he is calling me to and um that's where we need to be so yeah I think that's a valuable valuable thing to have and I'm I'm definitely going to check that out so yeah we'll have a link in the show notes um to that book. And then we'll also have a link in the show notes to our uh, Patreon page, which again is supported this month by Willby and Katie. You guys are awesome. If <laughs> you want to join Willby and Katie in supporting us, I think that'd be okay. We would, we'd be more than happy to let you do that. <laughs> so follow the link to the Patreon page. You can read about what we're doing, what we want to do in the future. And uh, if that sounds like something you want to contribute to, we'd be very appreciative. Uh, Anything else, Dave, before we jump into our main topic today? I think we're good to go. All right. So we talked about the tribulation, and we've talked about the abomination of desolation. Mm -hmm. Now we're moving on to the coming of the Son of Man, mm -hmm. kind of the culmination of everything that we've been mm -hmm. discussing these past few episodes. So would you do the honor, sir, and read our selected passage for this episode? Sure. So we're at Matthew 24, verse 29. And if for some reason this is your first time to join us, we actually read from the ESV uh, version of the Bible, which English standard. Mm -hmm. 
I think I know what it is. English Standard uh, Version. Uh, the Bible that I wore out was an NIV, the New International Version, and I very much have made that transition here lately to the ESB, and I think it is a good translation of the Bible. So, And you can go to esb.org. It's free. They put it online for you. Mm-hmm. All right, so verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four, cor- from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. All right. This is... There's a few tricky things in this passage. Mm -hmm. Um, Not the least of which is uh, the generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Mm -hmm. That's probably the trickiest one. So, tribulation, abomination, desolation, coming of Son of Man. Immediately after the tribulation... The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, because it reflects the sun's light, so you can't have one without the other, right? Uh, There's some science. (laughs) Uh, And the stars will fall from heaven. So, I guess our first question here is, literal or figurative? Uh, Is the sky going to stop working? I don't know how we can know this, but I'm just looking for your opinion here i I think you're right i don't think we can know it um based on a lot of the different readings that i have done here i do not i dave hogue does not believe that it's going to be a literal um well it says the sun will darken and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven. I don't I really don't think the stars are going to fall from heaven because uh it, I I think it's I think it's more of a I, I well as I mentioned before I I don't even understand how everybody in the whole earth can see Jesus from the same vantage point. You know, like if he's coming on the cloud Dude, the internet. <laughs> the internet. It's going to be periscoped well, for everybody. It's going to be. It's going to be on every mm-hmm. social. Yeah, and thought that you know, there's, <laughs> there's kind of some. Um. Yeah, and, and I guess I, I just <laughs> hashtag second coming. Sorry, <laughs> hashtag second coming. Um. So yeah, it, it, for me, there's an element with with um the sun being dark and the moon be, giving its light, the stars falling from heaven. This is this is a um, gosh, what is the word that I'm looking for? I'm gonna have to move the microphone because I keep hitting my stand. Uh, 
this is like poetic sort of uh, wording here. Figurative language. For, for figurative, but but I do believe it's it's, um, and gosh, hyperbole is not even the word that I'm looking for. Um, superlative. Superlative. <laughs> uh, but I think ultimately what we're talking about here is that this is truly going to be a powerful event where the things that we have traditionally used in our physical world uh, to mark our days and our nights and things like that are going to come to an end because, you know, scripture says that in heaven there, there's not a sun, but it's, it's literally God's radiance that is going to light uh, some sustainable energy. Yeah. And mm, so God's a hippie, isn't he? <laughs> he is. <laughs> uh, and so, so yeah, I, I'm not going to be looking for stars to be falling from the sky uh, to be an indicator that the second of coming of Jesus. So, but that's, that's my personal. Well, I will say, I will not, um, Oh, I see you're rubbing off on me, Dave. I can't <laughs> find words. I would not um, say this is impossible to actually happen. No, and I would agree with that as well. And so here's the issue: like stars falling out of the sky. Stars are probably anywhere from like 100 to 1,000 times larger than our planet. And so if one of them falls on us, like boom, we're done. So, <laughs> but the as you said, the complete alteration of what we know as space, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if the sun goes out, then obviously we don't have heat and we all freeze to death and die. Like we all get like quick frozen, like mm-hmm. some fast food hamburgers, and it's just over. Um, so I, I, I would tend to agree that this is a bit figurative and in poetic however i would not be surprised if stuff just gets crazy mm-hmm. because like you get this whole like tribulation and abomination desolation and stuff's going to get really 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 bad and a lot of christians want to be like oh we're pre-tribbers. God's not going to make us go through the tribulation. He likes us too much. And I'm like, do you look at the planet we live on and the crap that Christians go going, through? There's people going through that right now. Yeah. And so I just want to think like if there's no, there's nothing saying that God is going to come on fluffy clouds with like a army of fuzzy bunnies and kittens to like usher in the kingdom. Like when, when, the new heavens and the new earth come and everything is restored and made right. That is not, I don't think going to be a pleasant process. And when we're all on our knees, you know, declaring that he is the Lord sinners and saved alike. Like, I don't know about you. That's not going to be like fun. Uh, I know that Jesus was very peaceful when he was on this planet. Um, but I feel like when it's game time, I mean, it says he's going to come with 
his uh, send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. Uh, everyone's going to see him coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Mm-hmm. Now that I think is literal. Oh yeah. yeah so, can... you know, I, I don't think that stars are going to fall out of the sky and like, you know, land somewhere. Cause again, that would just crush the planet. But I do feel like what we know as normal is going to be completely altered. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, if, if, if it's truly God himself that is providing the light and the life uh, directly, as opposed to through the sun, then there's no need for the sun anymore. Yes. Um, so yeah, I feel like there's going to be a cataclysmic shift in how this all operates in most likely in a way that we can't predict or see coming that, that I will put my money on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the verse that I was referring to uh, is Revelation twenty one twenty three, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb, capital L on Lamb. Um, yeah, and and so you know there there's there's certainly this uh, you know the scripture talks about. Uh, old heaven, old earth, and there's going to be a new heaven and there's going to be a new earth. And I I truly think it's going to just, it is something that we can't even begin to comprehend. It's going to be uh, so incredible. And is uh, shifting gears a little bit here is, is I've started kind of studying this. um, And I'm, it's just, I'm 40, 45, almost 46 years old. <laughs> I'm realizing just how much I have avoided this topic <laughs> in my in my Christian walk and just never really have wrestled with what I think about the second coming with Jesus and the tribulation and and, and the end times and and all that kind of thing. And one of the things that I just I, I really believe this idea of, of tribulation is much bigger and much longer and much just grander than what we as Christians, I think, want to do in terms of, you know, seven years or a thousand years or whatever. And I even think there might be an element of just because we're not experiencing it here per se in America doesn't mean that there aren't Christians throughout the world who are experiencing the tribulation right now. And, um, yeah, time's a funny thing. It, it is. And then even with God, the whole, you know, do I truly believe King David is still in Hades right now? Well, no, I don't, because I believe God's time and our time are very different than... I, I'm not even sure that time really exists in terms of <laughs> where God is. I'm not sure that Well, and that's where a, I think eternity comes in. Yeah. Is... Like, I think the reason why eternity for us is impossible to comprehend is because time for us is a very present thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, sure. Like, you just said you're about to turn 36. 
or no, 46. <laughs> 46. You know, I'm 30. And we were talking earlier, and you mentioned something that happened in 2001. In my mind, that's not a long time ago, but that is literally 50% of my life ago. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a third of your life. Yeah. And so, like, while it doesn't, it just, time has, the, like, the perspective is very odd. And, like, my kid, who is uh, nine, mm, eight weeks old, <laughs> eight weeks old. I got ahead of myself. I forgot what day it was. Uh, she's eight weeks old. One day for her is an enormous amount of her entire life. Mm-hmm. Right? So eight times seven quick. That's what? 56 football eight. math. Eight times seven, 56. Yes. Okay. Uh, so she's been alive technically 57 days cause she was eight weeks yesterday. One day that's like 1.8% or like 1.6% of her whole life. I'm 30. So you have That's three, like almost 10,000 days. Yeah. Or somewhere around 10,000. So one day for me is like 0. 0.0. Oh, hold on. One, one out of 100 is 1%. It's like 0.001%, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. It's a big difference. And so your perception of time is different. That's why Christmas always seems like, oh my gosh, how is it Christmas already? I feel like I've said all of this before, <laughs> but my, my, my point is, is that time is completely dependent upon perspective, right? Time flies when you're having fun. When you're doing something you hate, time feels like it moves slow, even though it doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, it's just time is a very, even though it's regular and just, I mean, scheduled, it is a, it is a very tricky thing to perceive and to um, experience. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, the idea that something could be eternal, let alone someone who cares about you could be like, mm, no, thanks. Like that doesn't, that doesn't compute because how, how like aging. And, but if, if time is something that he created and then he stands apart from sure, why not? And and so that's why I feel like we're going to get to heaven and we're just going to be like, wow. Like, it's going to probably take us <laughs> a tw- long time, even though time, like, it's... It's, it's actually, the Bible says this in the twinkling of an eye. Well, but a twinkling of mine or a twinkling of God's? <laughs> yeah. Because, again, uh-huh. time, right? Mm-hmm. It's just going to be an adjustment is all I'm trying to say. Yes. Like, fundamentally... Everything is going to change. Mm-hmm. And that's a little scary mm-hmm. when you don't know when, you don't know how. You know, and that's where faith comes in is to understand that based on what God has told us and shown us in Scripture, and based on what God has told us and shown us throughout history and in our lives, that we can see that and experience that and then take him at his word that it's going to wind up. Okay. And that's what hope is, right? That by God's grace, things are going to be hope. Yes. Okay. Our faith. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, the second piece of this is, I think, I think one, 
um, we get hung up on on time. Live in a very linear linear world with beginnings and ends. Uh, we're talking about an infinite God, an eternal God, and you know, I think we get in this when we're reading the Bible. We very much read it as uh, it's twentieth twenty first century English. Uh, we have uh, we get hung up on, and, and I'm not I'm not going to claim to be a scholar on this in any way. Uh, but one of the things that just hit me in this uh, particular verse is that. Um, Oh, what were the words? Uh, we see a lot of the um, soon it will happen. This gen. Well, we, I'm getting. I'm jumping ahead of myself here a little bit um, in my thought process. So I apologize. You're fine. One of the things as I've been studying this that has just hit me is what our definition of is is soon. And a very concrete example for me has been. If if I say I'm going to do something soon, I, I'm guessing that people are thinking today or in the next few days or, I don't know, maybe even a couple months you might give me. I think it far. depends on the context, but it, yeah. It, it, it does. But um, – one of the things that we experienced, and you may have experienced as well, is when we were in Haiti. Like, today doesn't even mean today. And that was so hard for us to comprehend because, um, you know, I guess the way I would explain it is, is that somebody is coming to see you today. Well, in Haiti... It may take somebody three days to come see you today. And there are just this multitude of factors that play into whether that person is going to truly see you today or whether they're going to see you two days from now or even three days from now. And I still don't completely understand it. But for the people in Haiti, they were just sort of like, yeah, they're going to come, but it could be today, it could be tomorrow, or it could be the next day. We don't operate that way. And so maybe for some of you listening, that's a huge like stretch of taking you know, our culture here and what's going on in uh, Haiti and comparing it to what Jesus is saying in terms of soon, is that I just don't think his definition is the same as our definition. And I haven't exactly kind of landed on anything other than I can just say that when your perspective is eternity. So yeah, soon is a very relative term and that's why context is everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think there's, those are two factors that are just really coming into play here of just, you know, literally, talking about time and the fact that we are constrained by time and operate within time. And then just even 
what time means in terms of the words that we use referring to time and even uh, just understanding culturally uh, what uh, time means to somebody in terms of when they're talking about today, when they're talking about soon, um, that I think we wrongly view through our, our, our lenses, the way, you know, the world that we live in right now, which doesn't apply. I don't completely have the answer. Um, and we'll continue to try to figure that out. Uh, but yeah, uh, because certainly, um, not, if you're not a Christian, there, there, there's like kind of this, okay, it's been 2000 years. <laughs> what's, what's going on? If Jesus is coming back, why is he yeah. uh, taking so long? And, you know, this truly is kind of the longest period in terms of even what we have with our, our, our biblical record of our faith or of our history with God is there's really never been, there wasn't, the previous was 400 years of silence and now we have 2000 plus years of really nothing being recorded or nothing being of the um, level to scripture in terms of what we've experienced. Yeah. (laughs) So from the fig tree, learn its lesson, Dave. Mm Mm-hmm. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Okay, so setting the stage. Something common these people understand. You know the tree is about, or summer is about to come because this tree is getting ready to do its job. So also, when you see all these things that we've been talking about for the last three episodes, you know that he is near, at the very gates. Okay. Notice how he doesn't say, you know that he will show up five days after that happens. Like, Because again, Jesus doesn't know, which still bothers me. Mm-hmm. Like, how how can he not know? Like that that to me is like mm, that that is a sticky point for me. I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, I guess my first question is: Is do you think that holds true for Jesus who is here on the earth versus Jesus who is in heaven now, or wherever he is? Ooh, okay. So there's another fun time question. <laughs> Because no, because when he was on earth, if we believe what scripture says, Jesus is fully God and fully man. Mm-hmm. And so, how can he know in one place and not know in another place? True, you know what I mean? Yeah, like he didn't give up any of his divinity, he gave up his place and his you know took and he took on physical form but the second that we say he gave up any of his divinity then we get into some of the heresies that we talked about a few episodes ago and then a non perfect non fully divine person died and that just brings up a whole lot of issues cuz then he's a liar essentially at that point mm-hmm. so could he know now and not know them? But, oh, see, and this is why I get super, super frustrated is because 
God the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are supposed to be in perfect relationship with one another. And guess what happens in a perfect relationship? You don't keep secrets, Dave. You don't <laughs> keep secrets. And so how can Jesus not know other than God's keeping a secret? Um, and I feel like God keeping a secret is like the really childish way to explain it. <laughs> but like, And so that is why that is such a difficult passage for me to understand but can there can there be a willful i don't choose to know but why would he choose to not know um my wife anxiety my wife my wife gets me a present for christmas and if i truly want to know what she got me i can find that out but i understand that that she wants me not to know and so I choose to honor her request of just like, I mean, you know, the right. Bible tells us that God remembers that like remembers our sin no more. And so hmm. is that just, is that figurative speech there? Does he truly not remember it? Or is it a conscious and a willful decision to Do not bring it back to, you know, to not recall it sort of a thing? Well, I will say this, Dave. That's a very good answer. You what? That was a very good answer. Don't make me say it twice. Come on now. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's no, genuinely, what... genuinely, that is not something I would have thought of. Huh. That Intr- and, and no, I guess that's... I guess I, I didn't intend it even to be an answer. It was more sort of a questioning. Well, that's fine. And this is all questions at this point because <laughs> we're, you know, we're dealing with stuff that is impossible to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still good to think about, and that's why we haven't skipped this entire section yeah. on the show and why we're taking our time working through it, because it's still important to think about. And I think it helps us understand God more. And, yeah, I never would have, I never would have connected the whole um, willful... Um, ignorance. Because Hebrews 8.12 is the verse. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sin no more. It doesn't say God forgets. It says he will remember no more. And so to me, there there has to be this element of God choosing. Totally, yeah. So if... And I don't know if that's a stretch. No, because I feel like the term forget could be uh, willful or just a matter of, well, I just forgot. You know what I mean? Like, it just happened that way. Whereas, what does it say again? He will remember no more. That is an active decision. And I would agree. Like, from this moment forward, I choose proactively to not remember that anymore. Yeah, that 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 to me is much stronger and shows a specific intent other than saying he's just going to forget about it. Mhm. Yeah. Definitely. So, 
continuing on. So, so also, when you see all these things, you will know that he is near. Okay, I already talked about that. Uh, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Okay, so that's where generation, that is a time-based term. Mm-hmm. We have an understanding of generation that is, what, roughly 40 years? Is that kind of what we landed on? 30 years is a generation? I would say it's even less than less that. Than that. Like I thought it was 20. like 20, 25 years, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I suppose that's... Um, if, you, if you're going in terms of... Um, if you're going in terms of the way we define generations right now, it tends to be 20, 25 years. Um, I do recall, um, you know, Israel became a state in 1948. And I know people talked about the generation after Israel becoming a state was going to have, and it's one of those ones that has come and gone. But I truly remember like 1987, 1988, there kind of being some of this stuff going on of, oh, it's been 40 years. Well, it, it, they were, they were applying a value to a term and to something that was said that I don't think was ever intended. And I even think that might have been the whole, is it Tim LaHaye? Is he the one that? He did, him and uh, Jenkins did the Left Behind books. The, uh, well, Tim LaHaye, okay, he did those books, but um, boy, I'm sorry again. I, I, feel like, I feel like he maybe had like even a book before that. It was kind of a you know prophecy type thing that that some of those other ones ended up being after that. Uh, anyway, I'm rambling because I don't know. Um, oh, he's creepy looking. Tim Hayes. <laughs> he's from. De- he was born in Detroit. Well, that explains a lot, right? Hey, now you, <laughs> sir, better watch it. I might just cut you. Because that's how we do things. No, I'm just kidding. We don't. Hey, I'm from the south side, so. <laughs> Detroit's a lovely place. You should try it out sometime. I've never been to Detroit. What? I don't even know that I've been. No, I've been to, I've been to the Upper Peninsula, Peninsula in Michigan. That's the only place I've been in Michigan <laughs> is well, the UP. I mean, that's not a bad place to go. So. But yeah. Oh, Tim LaHaye died. Oh. So the second coming happened for him. Oh, Dave, come on, man. <laughs> Low blow. Low blow. He wrote more than 85 books. Oh. Holy. I'm not going to be able to search through that list. Goodness gracious. We'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah, but I feel like, I, I feel like there is a, um, a particular book that existed um, prior to the whole Left Behind series that was kind of like a um, this is the quintessential sort of his view on the end times. And I don't know why I think that, but did he write anything in the 1980s? No, but he wrote a book in 1978 called The Unhappy Gays. What? In which he called homosexuals militant, organized, and vile. He also argues that gays share 16 pernicious traits, including incredible promiscuity, deceit, selfishness, a vulnerability to sadism, masochism, and poor health and an early death. He believed that it could be cured. 
he said that such conversions are rare. Hmm. I don't want to be an old guy that sounds like that when I'm an old guy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whatever, whatever the issue is when I'm that old. Although he was 50 when he wrote that. Hmm. Yikes. Oh, apparently he was anti-Catholic too. He called Roman Catholicism a false religion. Really? Oh boy. Man, I just like, like sincerely, I just wonder what it was like for him when he got to heaven. Like, and I'm sure I will have a, a similar experience. Don't, don't get me wrong. Of just that. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, a, Oh, <laughs> sorry, God. Uh, didn't mean some of those things that, uh, I was out there professing that I should have just, uh, kept to myself. No, I'm, I'm thoroughly distracted. I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyways generation yeah time based time based frame or time braced oh my gosh time based term in a passage where understanding time is rather difficult and so you've got theories that uh generation referred to the actual physical generation Jesus was talking to and these things would begin in that generation uh you've got other arguments that say hold on let me let me read it here uh others see uh all these things as a prediction with multiple fulfillments so that Jesus disciples will be both this generation that sees the destruction of the temple in AD 70 and also those at the end of the age um other options, this generation uh, is an old, uh, in the Old Testament can mean people who have a certain quality. Uh, so it's not time-based, but perhaps character or quality-based. Um, others understand this generation to refer to either this generation of believers throughout the entire present age or this evil generation that will remain until Christ returns to establish his kingdom, which is, it doesn't say it here, it sounds dispensationalist to me, I could be wrong. And then, uh, oh, here we go. Others, particularly some dispensational interpreters, understand generation to mean race uh, and think it refers to the Jewish people who will not pass away until Christ returns, yada, yada, yada. Uh, comes down to, we're not sure. Yeah. Which is getting really annoying to say, frankly. <laughs> so, okay, so we seem... Um. Well, I don't even know if that's a fair question to ask. Ask it. Well, I, I guess I'm, I'm. Why do you think some people feel like they do have such a, an answer? They like this, you know, because people are know-it-alls, Dave. I mean, yeah, I, mean I say that, sinful. I say that partially snarky, but partially true. Like there are just some people that have to be right about everything, mm-hmm. and. The more obscure or difficult something is to have an answer about, well, guess what? If I have an answer about it, that makes me smarter than you. And if I can be an authority on something that's difficult or mysterious or, you know, theoretically unknowable, then man, I am important. And that's not everyone that has opinions on this stuff, obviously. We have opinions on this stuff. But you see that in these certain areas 
where you get people like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, as we've said before, it's important to to work through these things and to think through these things like like we're doing. And, you know, like I'm still working through the um, Jesus not knowing when he comes back thing. Like that's going to be an issue for me for a while. And, uh, but at the same time, I think having a set in stone doctrine of when and how these things are going to happen is ludicrous. Mm-hmm. I think having thoughts about it, having opinions about it, having conversations about it, all good things. But having a doctrine of something that's unknowable, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't flow for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Did that, that made sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And And I think... You know, um, I haven't experienced this recently, uh, but I have experienced, I might have even been in college since I experienced this, of the whole, you know, Jesus said he was coming back. And the person that I had this conversation with couldn't point to any one particular verse, but just kind of made the the claim of, uh, you know, Jesus spoke to his disciples like they weren't going to die before he came back again. And I was sort of like, okay, well, you know, I, I get what you're coming from in terms of this. But basically it was his excuse for this is why I can't be a Christian. This is why I can't believe in Jesus is because he made these claims of his second coming that clearly in the way he expressed them, there was a time frame that has long since but passed. And that really kind of rattled me at the time. I mean, I just was like, oh, I, and I'm kind of even like, I truly think this is the last time that I wrestled with a lot of this stuff was after having the conversations with this person. Uh, but just sort of coming to this realization of it is not my job to change people's conviction. It, it's, it's not my job to argue them, use apologetics to convince them that Jesus is who he is. It's kind of like what you were talking about at the beginning with the book, The Reason for God. You know, it's like if you really want to take a heartfelt look at the evidence, so to say, and 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 here it is with God, and you put all these things together, and you're genuinely seeking, you're going to go, oh, wow, you know, here is this. But people that don't want to know God, people that just want to sort of exist in that place of it's easier for me or whatever it is that they've come to of God is not real and I don't need him and I don't have to live my life according to him. They're always going to have an excuse. Even if I could have convinced this guy, uh, you know, well, hermeneutically it's da, 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 da. And according to the conjugation of this verb and these, you know, grammatical sentence structures here, this is what he really meant. I wasn't going to convince that guy. And again, you're getting a lot of my baggage. I feel like with this topic of just why I haven't been there of just, I just sort of landed on this point of so much of this to me, particularly early in my faith as a young adult, I just was like, it's just not that important. And I'm not saying that's, totally true. But for me, in terms of where I was in my journey was you can really get hung up on a lot of this stuff. And there's a lot of things that you're not going to convince people of 
and sort of landed at this place of, uh, God, I just, I believe you, I trust you. And uh, much like we say about this podcast of, I feel like it's come back full circle to me and I'm wrestling with it again. And personally, I just hope this time I don't just kind of throw my hands up in exasperation and go, eh, maybe Jesus will come back before I figure it out. And then I'll have to worry about it anyway. <laughs> so well, we can hope, right? Yeah. Well, I don't have anything else to say. I probably shouldn't. My brain is zapped. <laughs> yes. I would agree. It's that obvious, huh? Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm 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 with you. <laughs> All Mine right. as well. Well, that brings us to the end of episode eighty seven. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Yes, very much so. Oh, so heartfelt, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm just wondering if anybody's even still with us at this point. But, well, you know. they can't talk to us now, Dave. I know, I know, I know. But you can ah. get in contact if you want to. Mm-hmm. Don't make me beg, please. <laughs> uh, Twitter, Dave is at David J. Hogue. How do you spell your last name? H-O-G-U-E. So, like... Rogue One that's in movie theaters. You right should have been Hogue. Oh, Dave! Should have been Hogue One. Yes. <laughs> At, so I can, oh. I'll change it to Hogue One. No, don't. Because <laughs> all of your Twitter links are never going to work on the website. And that makes me crazy. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyone who clicks on a 108 HBO link on, well, do I need on our past 86 <laughs> episodes, it's going to get to a 404. Sorry, this user does not exist. It's all good. Anyways, Dave's at David J. Hogan. I'm at Cam Brennan. You can email us, hello at supermegacorp.net. We would like to hear from you. Yes. We would like to have some follow-up. Just because it's nice to hear other people's thoughts and opinions and viewpoints. Because hopefully you can see that when Dave has one that I don't have, I go, ooh, I haven't thought about it that way. And it, like it, like I genuinely get excited hearing people's viewpoints because yes. while I may be somewhat intelligent, I am not capable of understanding all viewpoints. I think that'd be <laughs> terrifying, frankly, to have it all in your head, but to hear it from somebody else is very helpful. Yes. And it's yes, not yes. even necessarily about us. It, you, what you write in could help an, uh, a fellow listener understand something better. So Definitely. let's help each other out. We'll see you next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.